Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, you have given us to declare the wonders of your might in all the world. Speak, Lord, now to us that we might know you better and be prepared to share your love wherever you send us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I want to tell you, um, when I was in my last year at seminary, and I know most of you here don't know your way around um, the campus in St. Louis, but there's a big, beautiful lounge in Pritzloff Hall, and the students gather there, at least they used to back in the dark ages when I was a student, and they would have presentations. And our fourth year class, you know, there are, there are four years, and fourth year is your last year, and um, and uh, they were gathering us together because we were we hadn't declared, you know, what kind of call we want. I think it was first quarter, and they had a missionary come talk. And his job was to see if he could convince any of us to become missionaries. And it was exciting. Ah, they'll go live in a foreign land and travel and tell people who didn't know about Jesus about Jesus. And that excitement didn't last long. Because I started to think I'm going to miss my family. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm not very good at languages. And the guys that taught at the seminary would have vouched for that. And, you know, I thought, I, don't want, my, I want my kids to know my, my parents. And then I thought, I'm a picky eater. And, and the mantra is, for, for a missionary is, where you lead me, I will follow. What you feed me, I will swallow. <laughs> and that didn't work for me. And so by the end of the presentation, I was convinced that I wasn't going to do that. I thought about this as I was reading the story from the gospel today, because I think um, this guy would have been the least likely choice to be a missionary. He was, the man who's at the heart of the story is from a region populated by the Gerasenes, or sometimes it's called the Decapolis. It was a Gentile, pagan community on the opposite side of Galilee, of the Sea of Galilee, from Capernaum, where Jesus and his disciples were from. In fact, to get there, they had to go in a boat. They went in a boat. It was quicker than walking around the lake or the sea. And it was, had such a reputation for being so pagan that when they got there and Jesus got off the boat, the disciples didn't. Because they were good Jewish boys and mama had not had told them to stay away from that. So, so they had to be wondering, why would he take us here? You know, Jesus did that a couple times in his life. He took them through Samaria, where they weren't supposed to go. He took them to um, Caesarea Philippi, where they weren't supposed to go. And now he takes them to the Gerasenes, to this pagan land. Well, the evidence as to why he was taking them there 
became real very quick. We read that when Jesus had stepped out on land, they met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me, for he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, and he would break the bonds and be driven out by the demon into the desert. And then Jesus asked him, What's your name? And the man said, Legion, for many demons had entered him begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. And so he gave them permission, and the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herds rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. That's passing strange that this is the man that Jesus chose to be a missionary to those people. I mean, they'd they'd known and they'd been scared to death of him all their lives, all his life anyway. And the text tells us that even after they found him in his right mind and heard what had happened, they're still terrified. They didn't want anything to do with this guy. And the guy knows it. He didn't want anything to do with me. And so the text tells us, what does it say? It says that uh, he, um, if I can find it here, begged to go with Jesus. Let me go. And I can sit at your feet. And I, I can learn. I can go to Bible class every week. Just let me observe. And learn, which is is a good thing. But Jesus says, no, in essence, the man said, let me go to seminary. Like the other disciples. And Jesus says, no. He says, send him away saying, return to your home. And declare how much God has done for you. In other words, no, you're, you're going to be the missionary here. Right at home. Now, I think, folks, that just like I said in the children's message, God has called us too. And I think there are some things we can learn from this man's story. And the first is this, that from the moment faith was born in your heart, you are one of God's missionaries, pure and simple. The words that Jesus spoke to this man, he'd speak to you and me. Return to your home. 
declare how much God has done for you. Wow. Didn't, it didn't, I didn't miss that. I'm going to talk about it in a second, but Ebenezer, that's exactly what you do. You go back home to tell about Jesus. I mean, think about this. From the moment you came to know that Jesus is the Savior, the Son of God, who gave his life on the cross and rose again, from that moment you have been Christ's ambassadors. God makes his appeal through you. There's a passage we've been using over and over again in this series. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. He died for all. They who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. See, that day when I made that decision, I wasn't going to be a missionary, I didn't know I already was one. And I really didn't have any choice. God had called me. And he's called each of you. Second thing, God has called us to our own unique mission field. This man in our text, he wanted the worst way to go with Jesus. Be one of the the disciples. And Jesus says, no, that's, that's their call. It's not your call. Your call, he said, this man is to stay here. Return to your home. Tell the story here. You know, I, my call was and is to be a pastor. Eventually, God did send me for a couple years to Germany. But right now, this is the place where he wants me to be a missionary. I didn't stop being one just because I left Germany. And you didn't stop being one just because you didn't go. I love, there's a story from a previous parish It really illustrates for me how God gives a unique calling. This man loved to tell the story about how he was out bush hogging. You know what that is? He was out in a field of tall grass, mowing down the grass with a bush hog, and his clothing, and I think I've got this right, you guys understand this equipment better than I do, can, can come correct me later, got caught in the power takeoff. And it pulled him down off of the tractor, right under the blades of the bush hog, ripped all his clothing off as the bush hog rolled over him, came out without a scratch, naked, out in the middle of his field. He loved to tell a story, God spared my life, because he had mission for me. And this man helped his church find some new property. And then he, he uh, helped them get a brand new church built. And he was uniquely qualified for that because he was a contractor. So he knew what he was doing. All right? 
And I think, well, how's that mission? Well, in the years since that church was built, that church has doubled and tripled in size. More people are hearing the gospel because of God's calling this man to help that church build a new church. Let me tell you a story from Fishers of Men. Last summer, we were looking for somebody to fill a, a position, an important position in the church. And I kind of put a guy on the spot. I said, you should do this. At which he went, ah! Not really, but he just really didn't say anything. He, just, he resisted the idea. And his answer was no. Well, God has been working on his heart since then. And about a week and a half ago, I got a call from this fellow. He said, God has been working on my heart. And then we had that town hall, and I heard that vision about how we want to be an open-armed congregation, about how we want to be teaching the next generations. And pastor, I want to be a part of that. And so God moved in his heart. God has told me my reasons for saying no were really reasons for saying yes. Isn't that cool? So now he's, God is leading him to his unique mission field. Folks, there is no mystery about where your mission field is. The kids said it. It's right where you are. Ed Westcott used to be the head of missions, said it this way, your mission field starts where your feet hit the ground when you get out of bed in the morning. Where do you work? Who are your neighbors? Who do you go, who do you go to school with? What community do you live in? What sports do you play? You've just answered. Where is your mission field? Jesus said it, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And, and then that tells you the, the, the third thing, the third lesson we can learn here is that God's mission call is simple. Tell him your God story. We talk about the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Mark. Well, guess what? God wants you to tell the gospel according to Shelley and Tommy in September. He wants to tell your story, you to tell your story of what God. This man in our text, he doesn't have any seminary training. He hadn't even been to a Bible class. He's not even been trained in the Old Testament. He spent a couple hours with Jesus. That's it. And Jesus said, now you're ready, go tell what God has done for you. That's what this, I know that story about this man that I told you about because I heard it from him when he was giving it, telling people about it. I didn't know it when it happened. He was telling what God did in his life. Folks, 
I called Bruce Jovich about a week and a half ago. See how he's doing. And Bruce proceeded to tell me, as only he can, all the wonderful things that God is doing in the midst of all his pain and all his illness and all his struggle. And I tell you, I, I, as I listened to him, and I told Susan this later, I felt like I was seeing John chapter 7 come to life where Jesus says that those who have the Spirit It'll flow out of them like rivers of living water. And it was just flowing from Bruce. He was just telling me what God was doing. There was no great theological treatise there. It was just, look at what God has been doing, Pastor. And I'm not the only one he's telling. That's how it works. Folks, you all have stories. You have stories of how God was there when someone you love died. You have stories of how God led you to make hard decisions or how when everything was going wrong, he took you through it. You have stories. You know what they are. They're in your life about what Jesus means to you. Tommy, you told me. You sat across the table from me and told me one of yours. That's what mission work is. Tell the story. As God has worked in your life and shown you who Jesus is. And then watch as God transforms lives. And he will. I want you to think about those people. They had no intention of having anything to do with Jesus that day. They wanted him gone. Jesus sends this guy back. They didn't want to listen to him. Want to know what happened? I've stood in the town, in the ruins of a church, where they believe this took place. Susita, or Hippos. That church dates, those ruins date from the third century. So Jesus sends one missionary back, and 200 years later, there's a church there. Okay. Now I want to tell you some more. There was a bishop from there, the Bishop of Susita. This bishop participated in the council who wrote the Nicene Creed that we're about to say 2,000 years later. So Jesus sends this one man into this pagan place church is born, eventually a bishop is there, probably from that community, sent off to Nicaea to write the, help write the Nicene Creed, and that witness, we're going to celebrate it today, and we celebrate it every time we say the creed. That witness is still transforming lives. Don't tell me what God can't do. Don't, don't let that stand in your way, what people don't want. 
What matters is what God wants and what God can do. And he has called you. And he has called me. And he said, go home and declare how much God has done for you. And I have to tell you, my prayer for you as your pastor, for this church, is that people will say about you what they said, what Luke wrote. That he went away. That they left Fishers that day proclaiming in Sugarland, in Richmond, in Rosenberg, in Stafford, in Missouri City, what Jesus had done for them. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.